Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Humidity Matters, where we aim to help you make a better measurement, meaning more accurate and reliable. Because when you do make a better measurement, your process is more efficient and you get higher quality output. I'm Bruce McDuffie, your host, and I've been in the humidity measurement business for about 12 years. I've taught humidity theory seminars and webinars around the globe, helping people, as mentioned, make a better measurement. My co-host is Steve Santoro. Steve has an amazing 35 years of humidity measurement expertise. Hey, Steve. Hey, Bruce. Great to be back. So we just completed our four-part series about applications. And now we're going to move into another three-part series where we're going to talk about maintenance and calibration. So if you missed the last four episodes, let's see, Steve, what did we cover in those applications? We covered uh, data centers um, where measuring humidity and temperature can be make equipment last longer and you can be more efficient. And we talked about compressed air, where we talked about how measuring dew point um, can notify you or measure the amount of water vapor in a system uh, which may or may not be harmful depending on your process and then as i say i remember we uh did the uh water vapor in high humidity so sort of the extreme measurement when it's incredibly moist and close to 100 percent rh and what you have to do to make a measurement there and Mm -hmm. on the other end the ultra dry or very dry atmosphere where again um, trying to measure it an extreme requires uh, different sensing technology and and different things need to be taken into consideration uh, to be able to measure those two extremes. Right. And those were four, the four applications, folks. So go back and listen to those if you're, if you're, especially if you're involved with one of those. But the theme, I think, that came out of those application podcasts, Steve, was that reliability, accuracy, and stability will improve any environment where you're measuring or monitoring or controlling water vapor in a critical process. Yeah, and then I guess we also have to remember that we did focus a bit on the Visola technology that we have for each of those specific applications. As we mentioned, sometimes the uh, it's easy to do uh, mid-humidity, mid-temperature, but when we get to the extremes, with our years of experience, we found ways to develop unique sensors that can make those measurements in the very wet or very dry or other conditions that are. So with those measurements, uh, the measurement sensing technology that we've developed for some of the extreme conditions, whether it's very wet or very dry, uh, those are the ones that have been a little bit tricky and why we wanted to address them and break them out separately. So in this episode, which is number 16, we're going to start a three-part series about maintenance and calibration of humidity instruments. And this is a critical, quote, humidity matter, unquote, in continuing to have these accurate, reliable, and stable measurements over time and making sure that you are getting true data. So Steve, uh, first question I have for you about calibration is why should anybody bother with calibration? Sure, we say um, we like to say Vaisala instruments are the most stable in the world. So why does somebody need to calibrate? What's the purpose of it? Although we believe it to be the the most stable sensor on the market, doesn't mean it's going to stay that way forever. So 
really, no matter how good an instrument is, it does always need to be checked and maintained. And if you're going to invest in a high-performance, high-quality sensor, it only makes sense that you keep it up to those standards. If not, then there wouldn't really have been a reason to to spend money for a premium sensor if you're not going to, to maintain it. So regardless of the device, all sensors would drift. So the best sensors also would really should demand and get the best calibrations so that you keep them in the performance that you originally specified and, and needed to meet your process conditions. So you can maintain, get what you paid for. So there's no sense in buying a $2,000 hygrometer. And then if you don't calibrate it, you're back down to your $50 hygrometer that you got it. Radio Shack, or is there a Radio Shack still around? I don't, I don't think so. Know. And why do they ask for your zip code? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's right. Every time. But right, these are not set it and forget it types of devices. They right. do need to be maintained. Right, right. And then and humidity sensors too, is um, a humidity sensor has to be in the environment. It can't be hermetically sealed like a temperature sensor. So it's out there, it's being exposed. And depending on your environment, um, calibration could be very critical even in the short term yeah these sensors uh, they do breathe with the atmosphere they absorb and desorb uh, the atmosphere and those are some of the things that that can uh, create that drift unlike as you mentioned temperature sensor that you can encapsulate Mm -hmm. to make it a bit impervious to the environment that it's in exactly some would say a humidity instrument without a calibration is like a ship without a compass you don't, you don't know where you're going. I guess this so goes back from your Navy days, Bruce. <laughs> That's right. If you're out in the middle of the ocean without a compass, you're you're literally lost. <laughs> so we could, and we could say an instrument without a calibration is lost as far as the measurement. But anyways, back to the definitions here. So there's some definitions that sometimes cause some confusion. And there's three of them that I'd like you to address, Steve. And they are the term calibration, the term adjustment, and the term specification. What's the difference between those three? Well, if we pick up, we'll start with specification. Uh, there's a instrument and the accuracy that, and the precision, the measurement can be made. The, the, the specification is what the manufacturer would claim it can do in its best performance. Um, so, that's maybe uh, its specification and how it could be delivered from the factory on a, on a new instrument. And now over time, we want to keep that instrument in and as close to that of specification as possible. So a calibration would really mean we're just going to compare the reading of this instrument that you have somewhere after it's been put into service against a known reference standard. And the calibration is just comparing one to the other. And for a lot of people, or for some people, that just knowing the difference between that measurement from the instrument you have and the unit you're referencing it against, and the difference between the two is the calibration. So you've compared them and you know the difference between them. And for some, documenting that is enough. But the next question would be, now do you want to adjust that unit of yours against that standard so that you bring the reading back to within the specification? So. Sometimes calibration assumes adjustment, but it isn't. In fact, when instruments come into our lab, that's a question we ask is, do you want us to calibrate, which is report the data against our known standard, or do you want it to adjust? Got it. So specification, is it fair to say 
a specification is meaningless without a calibration. Sometimes you'll see a specification, but it, it's not all that detailed. Does it cover the full range of the instrument? Does it cover the full temperature range? Uh, and if it's not going to be calibrated, uh, then you don't know for a fact that that instrument will perform the way it's maybe written on a piece of paper. Maybe that takes us back to the uh, ship without a compass exactly. analogy. <laughs> okay. Let's go a little deeper on some definitions. And these four that I'm about to ask you to define or we're going to define can be a bit ambiguous. So let's clear it up. And we have four important definitions. We have accuracy, we have precision, we have error, and we have uncertainty. So Steve, how about you take the first two, accuracy and precision, and then um, I'll take the second two, um, error and uncertainty, and let's uh, define these for the audience. I think sometimes we try to make some analogies that people could understand, and if we think of um, shooting arrows at, at the target, so you have the target with the center bullseye and the outer rings around it, accuracy would be if, if those arrows are hitting the bullseye or around the bullseye, but for the general part, focused around, say, the center part of that target. Um, but they're not all exactly um, in the same spot, whereas precision could be we shoot those same number of arrows. They all fall exactly in the same spot, almost touching each other. However, they're off center from the bullseye. So that precise measurement is uh, they're all in the same spot, but it's not right in the middle of the bullseye where it should be whereas the accuracy would be we're around the bullseye, but they're not all grouped together in one specific spot. If that gives you a visual, visualization of how we might uh, describe in simple terms, accuracy versus precision. And so you could have an instrument that's very precise, but it is not accurate. Correct. And vice versa, you could have instrument that is, if, I guess if it's accurate, if the accuracy is good, then it's probably also precise, I imagine. Well, but the best combination is both, and that's what we're shooting for. Exactly. Shooting for. Exactly. <laughs> Pun intended? Intentionally. <laughs> okay, good. The other two definitions are error and uncertainty. And error is sort of the opposite of accuracy. Accuracy being... Um, Accuracy being we're measuring how close is a measurement to the true value. Or error is the opposite because we're saying how far apart, how far away from the actual true value is the measurement. And it's sort of subtle, but and it may not throw anybody off, but it's good to know the difference. And the final one is uncertainty. And uncertainty is where we quantify the accuracy or the error. And it refers to the, the measurement result. And whenever the measurement is made, there's always going to be some level of doubt about a measurement. We're never going to get even what's, what's described as a true value. There's really no such thing. There's always going to be some type of difference or doubt or uncertainty. So what we can do is based on a series of measurements, we can come up, we can quantify what that difference is. And it's usually expressed as a standard deviation with a confidence interval. So those are the four definitions, accuracy, uncertainty, error, and precision. 
And for a true calibration, you should always get a statement of uncertainty. If you don't get a statement of uncertainty with your calibration, then it's really meaningless. So we've clarified some definitions, but let's talk about maintenance and calibration as two terms. Regular calibration, it's typically a part of a larger maintenance plan. A maintenance plan could include things like spot checks, physical checks, cleaning, replacing, or other things. And typically, a maintenance plan is enshrined in a document called a QMS or a quality management system. Many times these have ISO certifications. And I say that just to say we're going to discuss here, what we're discussing is calibration as one component of a QMS. And of course, we're talking about it in the context of humidity measurement instruments. One critical piece that we want to wrap up with today, critical piece of a proper calibration, it's what's called traceability. And Steve, could you define traceability for our audience and tell us why it's important? We talk about this calibration and uh, comparing it to a, a known standard, and we have to know what that known standard is, and uh, therefore we have uh, an ability to adjust and compare your instrument against that known standard, and it also allows other instruments to be calibrated and adjust against that known reference standard so that these instruments can be used and compared out in the real world. So they need to be tied back to a specific measurement that is known and accepted basically around the world. And an example of a traceability chain, and this has to be an unbroken chain, it has to be documented. If it's broken, it doesn't mean anything. So an example of a, of a traceability chain would be so you send in your humidity instrument to the Boston laboratory for calibration. That's the, that's the instrument under that we're testing. That's gonna be compared against a working standard, which could be a humidity generator or it could be another instrument. And that's gonna be the first comparison. So that working standard has to be traceable. And the first place it might be traceable is to the lab primary standard. Maybe the laboratory has a chilled mirror, and that chilled mirror is the primary standard, and everything else in the lab that's used for calibration is calibrated against that. And then we take the primary standard, this chilled mirror, we might ship that to NIST or some, some international laboratory, and NIST will compare our chilled mirror to their standard, which is the national standard for humidity. Now we have a chain all the way up to the national standard that everybody agrees to. So think of it like a pyramid all the way up to this standard. But that's not the top. The top of the traceability chain is the units, the SI units. So we, agree, we all agree as a world, I guess, on these SI units. And that brings us traceability from the units to the national standard, to the primary lab standard, to the working standard, to your instrument under calibration. And that's an example of a traceability chain. Again, it's an important part so that we have trust in that measurement uh, and people can uh, be able to show evidence of what they're claiming as far as the performance, the accuracy of the instrument that we're talking about. 
And without this traceability, then really anybody can claim anything they want. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, that concludes our first installment on our calibration series. Steve, uh, any closing thoughts? That's it. Well, we well I think if we wrap up uh, the other two parts, it might tie in a lot of the um, the whole calibration topic. Again, I'm trying to keep it light and brief. We can get into a lot more detail, but uh, not in this format. We'll keep it uh, brief and hopefully highlight things that are of interest to people. And if they want to learn more, we're happy to discuss it with them in much further detail. Absolutely. And uh, folks, the next two, just for your information, the next part of this series will be talking about the best practices in actual calibration practices. And then the final one, we're going to talk about accredited versus non-accredited uh, calibrations. So thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, when it comes to product quality and process efficiency, humidity measurement does matter.